it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tales of Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin. And today we are jumping into Chapter 30, Deus Damar. And just for a quick recap, even though it has nothing to do with this chapter, um, last chapter we had uh, both um, Bornhald of the White Cloaks uh, figuring out what the questioners wanted him to do on the Almuth Plains, but also being more focused on going to Toman Head, Fama and taking out the quote-unquote true dark friends as well as a bit of uh bale doman being captured slash under guard by the shan shan uh next to falma and was trying to uh, lie his way out i guess <laughs> um even though the high lord tarak has taken a liking to him since he collects old things like heartstone aka gwendiar so now that that's out of the way, we're going to jump into chapter 30, which goes a completely different direction. Now, as the title inclines, it's back in Kyrian, and we're back to here in Loyal and Rand. Um, so it starts off with Rand looking out a window, watching the Kyrian and everything, and everybody's talking about the Illuminators issue that obviously Loyal and Rand caused. <laughs> um, slightly also Celine. Um, but basically they, you know, hearing all this stuff about what's going on, but the Illuminators aren't confirming anything. And then we're moving into this next part, which I thought was really funny. So I felt like I had to read it. So we'll go from there. I'll take the next watch. He told Huron. As soon as I come back. There's no need, my lord. Huron bowed as deeply as any Kyrian and... I can keep watch. Truly, my lord need not trouble himself. Rand drew a deep breath and exchanged looks with Loyal. The Ogier only shrugged. The sniffer was growing more and formal every day they remained in Kyrian. The Ogier simply commented that humans often acted oddly. Huron, Rand said, you used to call me Lord Rand, and you used to not bow every time I looked at you want him to unbend and call me Lord Rand again, he thought with amazement. Lord Rand. Light. We have to get out of here before I start wanting him to bow. Will you please sit down? You make me tired looking at you. Huron stood with his back stiff, yet appeared ready to leap to perform any task Rand might request. He neither sat down nor relaxed now. It wouldn't be proper, my lord. We have to show these Kyrian and we know how to be every bit as proper as... Will you stop saying that? Rand shouted. As you wish, my lord. It was an effort for Rand not to sigh again. Huron, I'm sorry. I should not have shouted at you. It's your right, my lord, Huron said simply. If I don't do the way you want, it's your right to shout. Rand stepped toward the sniffer with the intention of grabbing the man's collar and shaking him. 
I just love this little part because it, it shows how crazy Kyrene and are when it comes to politics and uh, one-upping another house and all that stuff. But I always wanted to read the last part as like Rand stepped toward the sniffer with the intention of stabbing him in the heart and, you know, tearing out his, well, anything really. I mean, go wherever your imagination goes, like just Rand being so furious with him, just going on and on and on about it. Um, but it's <laughs> at the first time I read it, I thought he said he grabbed the man collar and shanking him. And I was just like, well, I mean, if he was in prison, I suppose that's how he would do it. But <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's a fun little part that shows the chemistry between Huron and Rand, but I didn't want to miss that because it was really funny. But after this happens, uh, there's a knock on the door, um, and all three of them freeze and Huron doesn't wait to ask permission before picking up a sword and Rand kind of holding on to his Heronmark blades, uh, hilt. And then Loyal just seats himself on the long bed and just basically trying to obscure the chest that's under the bed. Then Rand opens the door. And the innkeeper's there and he has two sealed parchments on his tray. And he's like, you know, forgive me, my lord. I just couldn't wait till you come back and you're not in your room. And, and, you know, and he's just like shaking this tray. So Rand just snatches them out and he's seen so many of them and he doesn't even look at them and he's like thank you mr quail for taking the trouble if you leave us alone now please and quail's like but 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 but, but these are from and he's like thank you and shuts the door on his face i can totally see martin freeman doing this in the hobbit with the dwarves when they show up <laughs> we don't want any more well wishes <laughs> sorry what about old friends um gandalf anyway <laughs> So, um, so Rand, you know, pushes him into the hall and just like, you know, whatever. And Rand turns to Loyal as like, you think he was listening at the door before he knocked? And, um, <laughs> oh, Loyal's like, you're starting to think like this Kyrian, but I mean, he is Kyrian, so it's possible, but I don't know if he said anything that he shouldn't have heard. And Rand tried to think about it, what they had talked about, but. They hadn't mentioned the Horn of Alir, Trolloc's dark friends, or anything. So he's like, well, whatever. And he's muttering to himself that this place is getting to him. And Huron, you know, picks up the sealed parchments and had wide eyes. And he looked at the seals. He's like, these are from Lord Barthenis, high seat of House Damodred, and the king. Randomly, somebody's like, eh, they still go into the fire like the rest, unopened. And he's, but, but my lord. And he's like, Huron. You and Loyal Between You have explained this great game to me. If I go wherever it is they've invited me, the Kyrian will read something into it and think I'm part of somebody's plot. And if I don't go, they'll think I'm doing something with that. And if I send it back an answer, they'll look for some meaning in it. And if I don't give an answer, the same way. And if half of Kyrian already spies on the other half, everybody knows what I do. I burn the first two, I'll burn these, as I did all the rest of them. And then... There had been 12 particular uh, parchments in one time that he also tossed into the, the fireplace, unbroken seals. And he's like, whatever they make of it, you know, it's the same for everyone. I'm not for anyone and I'm not against anyone. And Loyal's like, well, I, I mean, we tried mentioning, like, it doesn't work that way. And he says this very profound and culturally 
based concept for Kyrian. Whatever you do, Kyrian will see some sort of plot in it. Eat breakfast, he's plotting to kill the king. <laughs> Doesn't actually say that, but that's basically the gist of it. It's like the, the ridiculous things that you do. Like, oh, he took a shower. Oh, I bet he's, uh, he's going off to sneak off with these lords and ladies and they're going to try to overthrow these other houses. It's like, my gosh, people, you got some serious issues. And Loyal's like, yeah, well, at least that's what Elder Haman always says. But Huron holds these sealed invitations basically towards Rand as if they were made of solid, shining gold. And he's like, well, this one bears the personal seal of Galdrian. His personal seal. And this one has the personal seal of Lord Barthenis, who's equal to the king in power, if not just slightly below. And if you burn these, you bake the most powerful enemies you can find in Kyrian. And it's the burning of the other invites worked so far because other houses were willing to wait to see if what you were going to do. But they also thought that you had even more powerful allies to even like attempt insulting them, let alone risk it. But Lord Barthanis and the king, you insult them and they're going to act most definitely. And Rand's like, well, what, what if I just refuse both of them? And they're like, well, it won't work because every last house has sent you an invitation. And if you climb these, well, at least one of the other houses will figure that if you're not allied with the king or Barthanis, then they can answer your insult of burning their invitations. And apparently houses in Kyrian use killers now. A knife in the street, arrow from a rooftop, poison slipped in your wine. And I was like, well, you could accept them both. I know you don't really want to, but hey, it could be fun. An evening in the Lord's Manor or even at the Royal Palace. You know, the Shinarns believed in you. And Rand's, of course, like, oh, great. And it had been sheer chance that the Shinarans thought he was a lord. A likeness of names, rumors among servants, and obviously Moraine in the Omerlin causing it all, you know. But Selene had believed it, too. And he's like, well, maybe this will be at one of these. I'm going to read this part. Huron was shaking his head violently, though. Builder, you don't know Deus Damar as well as you think you do. Not the way they play it in Kyrian, not now. With most houses, it wouldn't matter. Even if they plotting against each other to the knife, they act like they aren't. Out where everyone, everybody can see. But not these two. House Damadred held the throne until Layman lost it, and they won it back. The king would crush them if they weren't nearly as powerful as he is. You can't find bitterer rivals than House Riotin and House Damadred. If my lord accepts both... Both houses will know it as soon as he sends his answers, and they'll both think he's part of some plot by the other against them. They'll use the knife and the poison as quick as look at you. And I suppose, Rand growled, if I only accept one, the other will think I'm allied with that house. Huron nodded. And they will probably try to kill me to stop whatever I'm involved in. Huron nodded again. Then do you have any suggestions as to how I'm to avoid any of them wanting to see me dead? Huron shook his head. I wish I'd never burned those first two. Yes, my lord. But it wouldn't have made much difference. I'm guessing. Whoever you accepted or rejected, these Kyrian would see something in it. Rand held out his hand, and Huron laid the two folded parchments in it. 
The one was sealed, not with the tree and crown of House Damodred, but with Barthennis's charging boar. The other bore Galdrian's stag, personal seals. Apparently he'd managed to arouse interest in the highest quarters by doing nothing at all. These people are crazy, he said, trying to think a way out of this. Yes, my lord. I'll let them see me in the common room with these, he said slowly. Whatever was seen in the common room at midday was known in ten houses before nightfall, and in, in, in all of them by daybreak next. I won't break the seals. That way, they'll, they will know I have not answered either one yet. As long as they are waiting to see which way I jump, maybe I can earn a few more days. Angtar has to come soon. He has to. Now that is thinking like a Kyrian in, my lord, Heron said, grinning. Rand gave him a sour look, then stuffed the parchments into his pocket on top of Selene's letters. Let's go, loyal. Maybe Ingtar has arrived. Now, for this section, I liked it because it gives a bit more insight into the Deus de Mar thing, if it hasn't come across completely explicitly clear before we even hit this chapter, because, I mean, it was pretty obvious in pretty much all the other chapters that involved Rand inside Kyrian. Especially with Tom and everything, explaining things. But, at this point, Rand has attracted the notice of all the major houses, and even the minor houses, and now the extra major houses, namely House Damadred and House Riotin. House Damadred would be Lord Barthanus, uh, House Riotin would be Galdrian. Galdrian being the king, so Riotin currently, you know, rules Kyrian. But with this predicament, this also sets up some interesting... Uh, how do you say? Situations for Rand in the future that I don't want to say now because it'll spoil it, but you might want to, like, keep it bookmarked for later, just like how his mind is starting to work and the things he might have to come in contact with since people keep constantly thinking he's a lord. But it's a very cool intro to kind of like see what he's going to have to deal with all the time. But after this, um, Loyal and Rand go to the common room. Not a single person says anything, looks anywhere. Um, they're like staring at their mugs like their life depends on it, and Quail's sitting there polishing a silver tray as if his life depended on its gleam. And, you know, the servant girls are just jumping back and forth between the ta tables as if Rand and Loyal didn't exist. And they were all trying their hardest to not look at each other and not say anything. But then he pulls out the two invitations from his pocket, studies the seals, and then sticks them back. Quail gives a little jump as Rand started for the door. Before it closed, the conversations just burst out. Rand, you know, heads down the street at a really fast pace. The oil didn't really have to shorten a stride to stay beside him. Rand's like, gotta stay out. We gotta get find a way out of the city. And, you know, this trick of invitations can't work more than two or three days. And if Ingdar doesn't show up by then, well, we gotta leave anyway. And Loyal's like, agreed. He's like, but how? You know, Loyal keeps thinking, pointing at his fingers, and he's like, 
Well, we got Fane out there, and otherwise there wouldn't be Trollocs in the Fort Gate. And if we ride out, they'll be on us as soon as we are outside of city. And if we travel with a merchant train, they'll definitely attack it. And a merchant train would only have five or six guards, and they'd probably run as soon as they saw a Trolloc. And if they only knew how many Trollocs Fane... Or if we only knew how many Trollocs would Fane has and how many Dark Friends, you've definitely cut us numbers down. But Loyal doesn't mention the Trollocs he killed, but from his frown and his long eyebrows hanging down onto his cheeks, he's thinking about it. Interesting description of Loyal's face with his eyebrows, because can you imagine how long your eyebrows would have to be to go off the side of your head, wrench down, and literally just touch your cheeks? Like, that's, uh, that's like taking your eyebrows and then taking that length of your eyebrow and adding it again but like touching your cheeks like that's that's some long eyebrows <laughs> and he's got a really big face so that's going to be some even longer eyebrows um i wonder if they braid their eyebrows that'd be interesting wouldn't it um <laughs> uh, but yeah so Rand's like well it doesn't matter how many he's got 10 is just as bad as 100 and if 10 trollocs attack us i don't think we'll get away again and he was trying to ignore the night that you know, he'd only killed a couple, but how was he going to deal with ten of them? It didn't really work when he tried to help Loyal with only one. And Rand's, or Loyal's like, well, I don't think we could either. And we don't have money to pass, take money passage and everything. Um, even if we try to get to the four gate docks, and then, you know, Fane's got to have dark friends watching. If he thought we were taking a ship, but I don't think he would care who saw Trollocs then. Even if we fought free of them somehow, we'd have to explain ourselves to the city guards, and they're not going to believe we cannot open the chest. And Ryan's like, wait, we're not letting any Kyrie in and see that chest. And Loyal's like, yeah, well, the city docks are no good. Those are only reserved for grain barges and pleasure crafts of the lords and ladies, and no one goes to those without permission. But one could look down on them from the wall, but it was a drop that would break even Loyal's neck. Loyal wriggled his thumb as if trying to think of a point for that. He's like, well, I suppose it's a shame we can't reach Steading Tsofu. Trollocs would never come into a setting, but I don't suppose that would let us get that far without attacking. Rand didn't really respond, but they'd reached that big guardhouse that they had originally come by through the original gate. And the four gates seemed to be milling around and just team full of people and a pair of guards keep watch on them. Um, Rand thought he saw a guy who had once been in good shine iron clothes duck back into the crowd at the side of him. But he couldn't really be sure. There were too many people in clothes from too many lands, all of them hurrying. I mean, from my perspective, this shows that Kyrian has a lot of trade. Like, it's people from all different lands who wear different styles. Like you could see a Shinar and from Shinar, which means they dress differently than other places. Which gives you a good comprehensive look at you know all the variety and this mass amount of awesome different cultures, different concepts, different clothing styles, different hairstyles, heck, probably even different nail styles. <laughs> um I know the Shan Shan, they focused on like lacquered nails that are like really long and everything. Like, why would you ever want to have long nails like that? I don't know, but some cultures, that's a, 
a sign of nobility. It's a sign of wealth. It's a sign of a lot of different things. And you could be from the same culture and have like four or five different clothing styles. You could have, you know, the everyday person who just walks around and, you know, wool or whatever. Then you have the fine wool that the merchants might use or even a, uh, a mixture of wool and something else to get you kind of in the upper merchant class. And then you got silk of lords and ladies. And then you got uh, more distinctive like patterns and such that even as higher than that. And it's like, you just have so many different clothing styles, but they're all distinctive to their culture. And you can tell by looking at somebody pretty much what, what part in the, the casts or case system, cast system, whatever you call it. Um, they are in each of those cultures by just looking at them. Like, oh, that, that guy's a fisherman. <laughs> he ain't going to be no Lord nor lady. But you could also use that to your advantage by being a lord and lady that, you know, sneaks down into the the masses by wearing said cl easy to get clothes that no one would expect you to wear. They're not going to think that. Although at the same time, it's also increases your chance of you getting shanked in some alley because people didn't know who you were and they didn't realize who they were messing with. And you kind of just thought people wouldn't mess with you or maybe you wouldn't but either way it's just a lot of really cool little parts about that are just kind of hidden gems that sit inside of these uh chapters and these little sections but ran and loyal head into this uh large anteroom um that pretty much you can see has business tables and a whole bunch of people waiting to talk to whether it be four gators trying to enter the city or uh, merchants or anyone really, um, you could you could tell by their shabbiness, bright colors and whatnot, trying to seek work inside the walls or just go in the walls for the day or whatever. It's almost like Kyrian and its outer four gate or like two different countries practically. Baran goes straight to the long table in the back of the room. There's only one guy behind it, and he's not a soldier, but he's got one green bar across his coat, and he's a bit plump. Um, but his skin looks a little too tight. He, you know, shifts some documents around and then changes the position of his inkwell twice before looking up at Rand and Loyal with a false smile. How can I help you, my lord? And he's like, the same way you helped me yesterday and the day before that and the day before that as Lord Ingtar showed up. And he's like, who's, who's Lord Ingtar? And he's like, Lord Ingtar of House Shinoa from Shinar. The same man I've asked for Every single day I've shown up. At this point, Rand's getting to be exasperated. He's like, well, no one by that name has entered the city, my lord. He's like, well, are you sure? Don't you have to look at your lists at least? And he's like, the list of foreigners who have come to Kyrian are exchanged among the guardhouses and at sunrise and sunset. And I examine them as soon as they show up. And no Shinaran lord has entered Kyrian in some time. He's like, well, what about the Lady Selene? And before you ask again... I don't know her house, but I've given you her name and I've described her to you three times. Is that not enough for you? Now, to be fair to the guy that Rand's talking to, he deals with a lot of people every single day. Remembering the exact descriptions that someone has shown up to you once every once a day, every couple days, is not going to necessarily be something he's going to remember he might remember this outlander lord but he's not going to remember everything let alone a kyrian lady 
who doesn't have a house and it's just, yeah, she's a pretty lady. Oh, oh, well, that doesn't narrow it down because if you see any pretty lady walk through the door, it's like, maybe it's her. Well, no, not her. Like, I think the guy's being disingenuous, but at the same time, I can't really, like, realistically, I can't expect him to remember every detail about everything, right? But the guy spreads his hands like, I don't know. I mean, not knowing her house makes it very difficult. And he has a very, like, bland look on his face. So he's just... Rand's wondering what he would tell if he even knew. But then Rand catches this movement behind the desk. And it's a guy starting to step into the anteroom and then turning away hurriedly. And he's like, well, maybe Captain Caldwin can help me. And the guy's like, Captain Caldwin, my lord? He's like, I just saw him behind you. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. If there was any Captain Caldwin in the guardhouse, I would know. And he's like, well, that seals the deal. They're lying to me. <laughs> and part of me is like surprised that Rand doesn't just grab the lists and look at them himself. But, you know, Rand just stares at him and then Loyal touches his, his shoulder. He's like, yeah, we might as well go. And Rand's like, thank you for your help. I will return tomorrow. And the man's sm false smile... I'd imagine it's probably pretty smug at this point. It's like, it's a pleasure to do what I can. So Rand, you know, heads out of the guardhouse so fast that Loyal had to, like, catch up to him in the street. And he's like, he was lying, and you know it, Loyal. Calden was there, and he'd be lying about all of it. Inktar could be already be here looking for us. I bet he knows who Selina is, too. And he's like, well, maybe, Rand, but Deus de Mar is like, hey, I'm tired of hearing about the great game. I don't want to play it. I don't want to be any part of it. I mean, this has been this is practically his Kyrian and mantra at this part. And he's like, I know. And then Rand's like, they think I'm a lord. And in Kyrian and even Outland, lords are part of the great game. I wish I'd never put on this coat. And he's really upset with Moraine. He's like, she's still causing me trouble. But almost immediately, he kind of admitted that she could hardly be blamed for this. There had always been some reason to pretend to be what he was not. First keeping Huron's spirits up and then trying to impress Selene. And after Selene, there hadn't really been a way out of it. And he steps slow until he comes to assault. He's like, hey, when Moraine let me go, I thought things would be simple again. Even chasing the horn, even with everything, I thought it would be simple. It's like, even with sighting in your head? Like, what I wouldn't give for everything be simple again. And Loyal begins to say, oh, Taviran. He's like, I don't want to hear about that. I don't. All I want to do is give the dagger to Matt, the horned Ningtar, and then I can just get out of here. He's like, well, then what? Go mad? Die before I... If I die before I go mad, at least I won't hurt anybody else. But I don't want to die. Either land can talk about sheathing the sword, and I'm shepherd, but not a warder. Well, if I don't touch the dagger, I mean, maybe I can. I mean, eh. maybe I can touch the one power. Owen made it almost. And Loyal's like, well, what, what, Rand? I didn't really hear that. And he's like, oh, well, nothing, nothing. I'm just wishing Tyra would get here and Matt and Perrin. And they walked for silence in a bit, and Rand's lost in thought. Tom's nephew had almost made it three years by channeling only when he thought he had to. If Owen had managed to limit how often he channeled, it must be possible to not change it all at all. Even though, you know, how seductive sighting can be. Lo's like, Rand, there's a fire ahead. So Rand, you know, just gets rid of these thoughts in his head, looks off in the city, and he's like, I'm like, this is a little weird, but he doesn't really know where, like, like what's 
at well, actually on fire, but it's really close to the end. And then all of a sudden, he just stares in the smoke and goes, Dark Friends. He's like, well, Trollocs can't come into the walls. But Dark Friends, Huron, and then just takes off into a run, and Loyal's easily keeping up with him. I'm surprised Loyal didn't just pick him up and just full-on sprint. But they get closer and closer, and he's more certain, and then they round the last corner, and there's the Defender of the Dragon Wall with smoke pouring out of its upper windows and flames breaking through the roof. A crowd had gathered in front of the inn, and Quail's shouting and jumping around, directing men carrying furnishings out into the street, and there's a double line of men passing inside buckets filled with water from the well down the street and empty buckets back out. Most of the people only stood and watched, but a new gout of flame burst through the slate roof, and they give a loud, Ah! <laughs> it's like entertainment for these guys. And Rand goes to Quail and is like, where's Huron? And he's like, careful with that table. Don't scrape it. And he's like, oh, my lord, your manservant? I don't remember seeing him, but no doubt he's already gotten out. Don't drop those candlesticks full. They're silver. And then he dances off to harangue everyone who's lugging his stuff out of the inn. And Loyal's like, Huron wouldn't have gone out. He wouldn't have left the, you know, the thing. And Rand's like, I know. And then he just jumps into the inn. And the common room seems basically... Yeah, it's not even hardly on fire. But then there's a double line of men going up the stairs, passing their buckets, and others scrambling to carry out what furniture was left. But there's no more smoke down here than if there had been burning in the kitchen. That's because heat rises and so does smoke for the most part. It'd have to be like a lot of smoke with nowhere to go to be able to go downstairs. So Ran, you know, starts to head upstairs and the lines stop at the second landing and the men up there, you know hurling their water up into a smoke-filled hallway, and one of the guys grabs Rand's arm. He's like, you can't go up there, my lord. It's all lost above here. Oh, gear, you know, speak sense to him. But then Rand realized that Loyal had followed him. He's like, go back, Loyal. I'll bring him out. And he's like, you can't bring Huron and the chest both. Besides, I won't leave my books to burn. It's like, all right, well, keep low. Stay under the smoke. So they drop down to hands and knees and scramble the rest of the way, and the air was cleaner down near the floor, but it was still smoke enough to make him cough. But at least he could breathe. But even the air seemed blistering, hot, and he could not get enough through his nose. He breathed through his mouth and felt his tongue drying. Some of the water the men threw landed on him, soaking him to the skin. The coolness was only a momentary relief. The heat came right back. He crawled undeterminedly, you know, knowing that Loyal's behind him, and he only knew that because the ogre was coughing. <laughs> And with the Ogier coughing up a fit, you know, it's going to be like a rumble. But then, you know, they get to the hallway with the big solid flame. And it seemed like the floor had already added extra tendrils to the cloud that already hung over his head. And he was just glad he couldn't see what was lay above the smoke. There's a big cracking noise constantly happening. and Didn't sound very good. But the door to Huron's room hadn't caught yet, but it was hot enough that he had to try twice before he could manage to push it open. First thing his eyes were to hit were Huron, sprawled on the floor. Rand crawls to the sniffer, you know, lifts him up, and there is a lump on the side of his head the size of a plum. Huron opens his eyes unfocusedly and just like, Lord Rand, knock at the door, thought it was an invitation. And his eyes roll back on the head. Rand feels for a heartbeat and was delighted and relieved to find that there was one 
So Loyal's like, Rand, and he's by the, the bed, and throws up the covers, and there's nothing underneath it. There's no chest. So the smoke and the ceiling creak, and the flaming pieces of wood fall to the floor, and all this is going on, and Rand's like, get your books, I'll take Huron, hurry up. And Loyal looks, or Loyal takes Huron off of him. It's like, the books will have to burn. You can't carry a man crawl, and if you stand up, you'll never reach the stairs. The Ogier pulled Huron up on his broad back, arms and legs, and then the ceiling gives a loud crack, and he's like, we have to hurry. And Rand's like, go, Loyal, go, and I'll follow. So the Ogier crawls down the hall, the hall with his burden, and Rand stares after him. Then he stops, staring back at the connecting door to his room. The banner's in there. The banner of the dragon. In his mind, he's thinking, I'll just let it burn. But then he remembers what Moraine says. Your life may depend on it. And he's like, she's still trying to use me. Your life may depend on it. I said, I never lie. He's just becoming more and more confused with himself. But he groans and rolls across the floor, kicks open the door to his room. And it's just a massive flame. The bed is a bonfire. And there's little flames of red running across the floor. And there'd be no crawling across it. So he gets to his feet. He runs crouching into the room, flinching from the heat, coughing and choking. Um, his coat is attracting all sorts of steam, <laughs> just giving it off left and right. But on one side of his wardrobe is already burning, so he opens the door to Saddlebags land side, still protected so far, one side bulging with the banner of Luz Theron Telamon, with the wooden flute case beside him. For an instant, he hesitated. I could just let it burn. The ceiling above him groans, so he snatches the saddlebags and the flute case and throws himself through the door, landing on his knees as burning timbers crash where he had stood. So he drags his burden down the hall, and the floor shakes with more falling beams. The men with buckets were gone by the time he gets to the stairs, and he pretty much slides down the steps to the next landing, scrambles to his feet, and ran through the now empty building into the street. The onlookers stared at him with his blackened face and coat covered with smut, but he staggered to where Loyal had propped Huron against the wall of the house across the street, and a woman from the crowd was wiping his face with a cloth, but his eyes were still closed and his breath came in heaves. Rand asked if they have a wisdom or a wise woman or anybody you call mother or something, somebody who knows healing and herbs. And the lady's like, well, I'm a reader if that's what you mean, but all I know to do for this one is to make him comfortable. Something is broken inside his head, I fear. And all of a sudden, Rand hears the song. Rand, it is you! Rand stares. It's Matt leading his horse to the crowd with his bow strung across his back. Matt, whose face was pale and drawn, but still Matt, and grinning, if weakly. And behind him came Perrin, his yellow eyes shining in the fire and earning as many looks as the blaze. And Ingtar, dismounting in a high-collared coat instead of armor, but still with his sword hilt sticking up over his shoulder. Rand feels a shiver run through him. It's too late, he told them. You came too late. And he sits down on the street and begins to laugh. That's a, that's a chapter right there. Like, how close were they? How close? But at the same time, if they hadn't, if they hadn't actually had this, because... I mean, you could look at it from different perspectives. One perspective being, if they hadn't gone to the guardhouse to check in on Ingtar and Selene, 
the ho- the inn wouldn't probably have caught in fire the way it had. And in that case, the fire could have been what drew Ingtar, Matt, and Perrin, and any other retinue with them. Um, so it's unlikely that they would have potentially found each other the same way if this hadn't happened. But you could also consider the fact that, you know, Huron heard a knock on the door and thought it was more invitations. Well, three of them in the room could have probably overwhelmed any dark friends that came in there since the dark friends that are there with them, few if any are actual soldiers or anyone who's actually used to any type of type of violence of any kind. Most of them are like nobles, merchants, peasants, that kind of thing. Like they're not, they're not necessarily trained with weapons and such, but if they had subdued them and whatnot, the defender of the dragon wall would not be probably burning. I mean, there's still a chance that they still set it on fire, but it's also a chance that nothing actually would have happened. And with it not burning may not have drawn Ingtar to them. So you could say that because it drew Ingtar, it's a good thing that the, the inn went up in flames, but on the downside, you lost the horn. Probably not even 15, 20 minutes before Ingtar shows up and you're like, you're this close this close to getting back to where he needed to be and all of it falls apart <laughs> so uh you imagine the stress that just causes Rand to like lose his mind and be like well it's funny we're this close you're too late <laughs> to start laughing in the city but it's definitely a, a, a bit more intense than we probably would have expected the chapter to turn into which is one of the reasons I like it because not ever like it doesn't happen the way that everyone expects it to. It doesn't happen in a way that we would be like, Oh yeah, I can totally see that coming. And no, it, it just literally happens in a way where we're all just kind of like left sitting there going, wow, that, that was intense. Like the descriptions and stuff, which you should be reading them already. Anyway, the descriptions are seriously amazing like i love these descriptions the describing of literally everything that's important in terms of clothing in terms of the buildings in terms of like it's just literally him he's he's an artist that's painting the room and the scene for you on a canvas so you know exactly what you're looking for and what you're looking at and it's just he just does a fantastic job so um props to robert jordan rest in peace um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a, it's a fun one these Deus de Mar chapters are always, always so much fun because the insinuations and the sarcasm and all these things put together, just, it makes such a great, like a balance between that almost makes your brain hurt. Because you're like trying to compare like what these guys are thinking to what this guy's saying compared to what his actions do. Like if he if he walked out and did three different things at the same time, 
like says something, does something else, and something else happens on top of that and just confuses the snot out of them. That would be hilarious, but he's not exactly that big into politics to know those extra stuff. But if they had done something like that, I think it would have gone differently, but also hilarious. I'm just confused as how, you know, dark friends go in, get a chest out. I'm assuming they're using the fire as an excuse to get the chest out because it's like, oh, the building's on fire and we're grabbing our chest and getting out of here. But everybody's eyes on that place, they know whose chest it is. Like it's, it's, it's been wrapped up this entire time. It's not like two Joe Schmoes or schmucks walking out with this bright, gleaming gold inlaid chest, probably going to draw some attention considering everyone would have known that going in originally. So it'd have to be still be covered, but everyone knows who came in with that covered. So they must've lied and said, Oh, well my Lord wants me to move his stuff, blah, 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 and whatever. But all in all, I think it was pretty interesting. It wasn't like a super, super long chapter, which in some ways is good. Some ways is bad. Um, there's a little bit of dialogue, but not every amount of dialogue needed to necessarily be gone over in detail because a lot of it doesn't really have anything to do with anything except to explain the plot in some ways. Um, but all in all, it, it, it's an intrigue. It's a political intrigue chapter. And I, I do enjoy those from time to time, especially the way Robert Jordan writes them because the great, the great game or Deus de Mar is so much better than like anything else I've seen politically based or politically intrigued wise in a story on a TV show and a movie or any, in audio drama or whatever. Like it's, it's the best because literally anything leads to something else. And it's so confusing yet. So funny because it is so confusing, especially the reactions of the people who don't understand it. It's, it's, it's pure gold, but yeah. So I personally enjoyed this chapter and I'm looking forward to the, the next chapter, which is probably going to be a bit more, of Rand's story. Um, but chapter 31 is definitely going to, I don't know, keep us on the down low, I guess. And we might learn a little bit more about, uh, how Matt, Ingtar and Perrin showed up. Uh, and if they, if, if this would change the end outcome of this chapter at all, and it might, it might not, there's possibilities in both ways. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think about it? Did you guys like it? Did you hate it? Did you prefer be more direct or did you prefer to be more, I don't know, politically hidden and mysterious? Feel free to let me know on any of the social media ways to reach me. Or even if you want to, uh, send me a mail directly, you can get a hold of me at tales of a red arm at gmail.com you can reach out on twitter at tales of a red arm on facebook you know just tales of a red arm uh, and hopefully uh hopefully i can interact with you guys a little bit i'd love to do so and i know some of you might enjoy doing so whether in a good way or a bad way <laughs> um but yeah if you guys have any inputs or something you'd like to add to it i'd be more than happy to add that to an episode in the future and hopefully we'll 
get to discover more of this in later books when things come to light and we can kind of connect the dots because I can't it's really hard to connect the dots now when there's so much that hasn't been done yet but hopefully we'll we'll get to that point and remember everything because again there's a lot to remember but some of the stuff is most definitely valuable information and some of it's just fun to go over it again and again even if there's not a whole lot there to it but Anyway, uh, I want to thank everybody for hanging out and hope you'll join me for chapter 31 in the next episode. And I think we'll have some fun with it. So once again, we'll see you guys around. And until then. We drink all night and dance all day And on the girls we'll spend our pay And when we're done, then we'll away To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall When some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow young Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall When some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hug the maids, it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark ones first To dance with Jack of the Shadows Yeah! Yeah!